Today is a bonus episode of the podcast. On Wednesday, the 30th of September, I was privileged to be a speaker at a webinar titled How Purpose Drives Performance. The webinar also featured Brian Bacon and Morlan Wallman from Oxford Leadership and Salim Ishmael from OpenEXO. Both Oxford Leadership and OpenEXO are Idea Storm partners. Enjoy the recording of the webinar. All right, well, I think let's get started. Uh, let me first start by introducing myself. My name is Mullen, and I am the Relationship Manager at Oxford Leadership. I'm your host for today. Um, for almost 20 years, we've been developing the leaders of many of the biggest companies in the world. I also have the founder here today um, of Oxford Leadership, Brian Bacon. Uh, he is the creator and the chair of Oxford Leadership, the world leader in purpose-driven leadership. He is also the creator of the world's most successful leadership development program with over 1 million executives as alumni. Brian is also a personal mentor to CEOs of several of the world's biggest and most famous corporations. Uh, it's so good to have you here, Brian. Um, Brian, why is uh, Oxford Leadership partnering with OpenEXO? What a, what a great question, and particularly to have my friend Salim sitting uh, at least virtually right beside me whilst I answer that. Um, let, me, let me say this. The, um, the idea of uh, an organism growing 10 times bigger, 10 times faster, I think for most of us is associated with, frankly, cancer. Um, and, and, and many people, frankly, do quite rightly wonder how can an organization that grows 10 times bigger, 10 times faster, other than, you know, uh, making their entrepreneurs or their founders wealthy, how can that possibly be good for us? How can that be good for the society? How can it be good for the communities? Um, how can it be good for the, for the climate and environment? Um, and in this era that we're in now, where, you know, one calamity just hits us one after another, I think it's a very valid question. And it's a question that I encountered well well over 20 years ago that led to actually the creation of Oxford Leadership. The context then was not exponential growth, but it was its own version of it um, that, you know, a couple of decades ago, which was globalization. How is globalization, big companies that are growing beyond their nation states um, and into developing countries and we kind of get the idea that it's bringing people out of poverty but along with that you're actually putting kids into sweatshops depleting you know the rainforests and everything else and so you know we've always had this dichotomy and Oxford leadership was founded on a simple premise that actually um, the kind of growth that we're talking about isn't necessarily bad um, uh, provided it is driven by a moral compass. And Oxford Leadership was created and founded on the, on the premise of um, business leaders developing a sense of responsibility for the whole whilst they enact their role of, you know, um, uh, uh, fulfilling their responsibilities to shareholders. That's absolutely fine. Uh, we want business to grow, but if it grows in a responsible way with a moral compass, um, that can possibly be good for all. Um, so now we cycle back to where we are now, present time. And in the last number of years, we've seen um, exponential growth and, frankly, exponential problems occurring in our world and society as well. And um, uh, so we have really doubled down in recent years on purpose-driven leadership and the need for big companies to stand up, play a bigger game, and for the leaders of those corporations to develop this sense of responsibility for the whole. And without any question of a doubt, when we looked at where is that happening, how is these, these massive companies using and harnessing the power of exponential technologies, wherever is that um, uh, shown to be good for us? And that led us to Singularity University. We looked and were frankly really impressed by the, the, the thought leadership that was coming out of that around exponential technologies. Um, and particularly led by the thought leadership of Salim Ismail. And um, uh, his book, Exponential Organizations, you know, is, is you know, you know it, it, it's, it's part of the curriculum for everybody joining um, Oxford Leadership. Because, not because 
it's a smart way of leveraging big data and analytics and driving technologies. Um, I mean, I don't think companies grow actually because of technology. I think they grow because of ideas. I think they grow because um, of, of myths which are created and promulgated by the leaders. Um, but, but what we saw in Salim's ideas and the work that they were coming out of what's now open excerpt is this notion of massive transformational purpose. And we absolutely love that. And I mean, I've, I've stolen shamelessly that idea in the work that we've brought into some of the biggest corporations in the world. And, um, and now I think to me, it's one of the, the great pleasures that I will have on my journey in business to say, now let's do this properly. Let's, um, let's, let's partner up and let's show a way to be able to grow um, exponentially, but responsibly with a moral compass. That's the reason why we're here today. Thank you so much, Brian. Um, also, I see a lot of people are joining in. Um, welcome, first of all. It's so good to have you all here. Uh, just a reminder, we will have a Q&A session at the end. So if you do come up with any questions that we would like to answer live, please put those in the question tab. And uh, let me now put the focus on our two guest speakers, Salim Ismail and Lance Pepler. Um, so Lance Pepler, let me put you on the, the spot. So Lance Pepler is, what, is the owner of IdeaStorm, which is an expen exponential growth company and certified open EXO coach and consultant. Lance is also the Oxford Leadership Connecting Partner to the Open EXO. Um, later on this webinar, Lance will take us through the exponential principles and how you can become an exponential organization. And we also have Salim here today. Salem Ismail is the founder and chair of EXO Works and Open EXO. Salem is the author of the best-selling book, Exponential Organizations, one of the founders of Singularity University, thought leaders and mentors to CEOs and founders of dozens of enterprises harnessing exponential technologies to grow 10 times bigger, 10 times faster. Um, Salem, it is so great to have you here. Um, tell us, why are you partnering with Oxford Leadership? Well, you know, we have uh, focused on the future of uh, organizations. Uh, and when you uh, kind of create this new organizational dynamic, then the, clearly the next step or the complementary aspect of that is the leadership in that organization. Uh, and we found a huge uh, issue with uh, large organizations where typically the C-suite would kind of get it. And with uh, tools, they would kind of understand the future, but the ability to communicate that down the line was very, very hard. So we set up tools to help that side of it, but the uh, the collaboration with leadership training becomes a natural uh, complement. And we found with uh, Oxford Leadership and, and Brian uh, Brian's uh, thinking, as well as the the frankly personal mentorship that that I've gotten from uh, working with uh, Brian yourself and the team, is. Uh, just an incredibly uh, clear uh, uh, path for how to nav navigate yourself as a leader. And so the complement goes very well. And uh, it's time now to take the combination, I think, and take it out into the outside world and open it up. Uh, because clearly, as we see from last night, uh, bad leadership is a really horrible thing in the world. And uh, we, we're suffering from that very badly. I think the final point I would make that we can add to the mix, I think, is we are, the world is suffering from exponential problems. Uh, corona is very much an exponential problem. And you can't address that with traditional linear solutions. And so we need new leadership that can actually see that kind of a, a paradigm and navigate through it. Great. Let me pull up the, the, the slide deck here that we have. Um, Give us a little history behind yourself and, and exponential organizations. Sure. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm Canadian, uh, originally from India. I spent 10 years in Europe restructuring large uh, European companies, uh, many French companies, which is why I'm bold, um, and many of you will understand that. Um, and um, But my journey really starts, I've, I've spent the last 15 years in the U.S., and my journey starts at Yahoo, uh, where I moved out to the West Coast and became the head of innovation there and was running their incubator. Um, and I found a, I had a fascinating problem, which was that when you attempt disruptive innovation in a big company or any big organization, the, the immune system attacks you. Um, and I was struck with the fact that Yahoo is eight years old. 
uh, and had this problem. I could expect it from a bank or a telco, but this was literally a brand new company. And why should it have that problem? And I was kind of struggling with that. And I went on to do Singularity University. So for about seven, eight years, I led most of the programs and built the organization along with Peter Diamandis and Ray Kurzweil. Uh, and it occurred, it, it, we saw in the early um, uh, 2010s that a completely new breed of organization was appearing that we'd never seen before. Uh, uh, Ted using community or, or Uber using, uh, not have, hiring its own staff, Airbnb leveraging other people's assets. And we thought, wow, these things are moving unbelievably quickly. How are they doing it? And so we studied uh, 200 of the fastest growing unicorns and did a whole bunch of inductive analysis and arrived at a model. And the where this intersects powerfully with the leadership thinking is the most important characteristic of what we call exponential organizations is a, a purpose-driven thinking and what we call a massive transformative purpose. And so I wrote this uh, book along with members of our community and we've been since building out uh, that uh, that paradigm. Um, I'm now also on the board of the XPRIZE Foundation, which gives large public prizes wherever there are market failures. Um, and so that's a bit about my background. That's amazing. Let me let's see here. Um, and and when you you know we we noticed that when you that today there is a whole series. That one of the major drivers today is technology. And I want to just address the fact that, you know, we believe that technology is a major driver of progress in the world. Uh, it actually might be the only major driver of progress. And now we have a dozen technologies all in doubling patterns like Moore's Law has been for 60 years. Um, for example, in neuroscience, the resolution at which we can image the brain is doubling every year. Uh, drones are doubling every nine months in their price performance. Uh, solar energy is doubling every 22 months. Um, and just on solar, at this pace, we will be able to deliver the entire energy needs of the world with solar by the end of this decade. Um, and so we're seeing technologies now explode out of the gate and intersect with each other, delivering abundance. And this is a fundamental paradigm shift in the world. Uh, just consider the idea that almost every business in the world is selling scarcity, right? Uh, for the last few thousand years, if you didn't have scarcity, you didn't have a business. Um, and how do we navigate that? So technology is a major uh, anchor point for the, the what's possible with new organizations. And this then led to um, uh, thinking about how, uh, you know, the, the, the enormous challenge we have as a society is that we're delivering massive abundance, but this is also breaking a lot of our institutions. Um, journalism is now broken. Education is clearly broken. Um, you know, think about the idea that all our education systems are geared to um, uh, take a young child, train them through their early 20s to be ready for the existing job market. Uh, we don't know what a job looks like in six months. Uh, uh, what are we teaching them? So we have a very structural issue around education. Uh, the other way to think about it is we've been doing education on a push basis. You get kids into a classroom and you try and cram algebra into them. Uh, mostly they're thinking about lunch. Uh, but today, if you think about you take on a role and you pull down the learning that you need for that role. And so that requires a totally different shift from education push-based systems to pull-based learning systems, right? And this is, I think, another powerful um, uh, uh, intersection with Oxford Leadership Group where the way you think about leadership is fundamentally different in this new world. You have to be leading from a purpose-driven mindset to be successful around this. Uh, and if we go to the next slide, uh, maybe, the, maybe if you stand this for a second, Maybe the, maybe the lightest, uh, most uh, delicate, you know, we're seeing democracy, for example, kind of literally being evaporated around the world, certainly in big countries around the world. But marriage may be the best example of institutional transformation. Uh, we invented marriage as an institution about 9,000 years ago. And when that first appeared, average lifespan was about 23 years old. Uh, so you got married and you had kids and you died. Um, marriage is not supposed to last 50, 60 years, and we have no mechanisms for updating these institutions. And I think one of the keys to purpose-driven leadership is thinking about not just, say, companies, but how do we apply this to the broader societal framework, and how do we update those institutions? And we've been working on that tool set. Um, and if we go to the next slide, what we've been working on ever since the book came out was solving this immune system problem. And so we've actually come up with a 10-week process that we piloted with Procter & Gamble. And the aim was, can we move leadership, culture, and management thinking three years ahead in 10 weeks? And, and it actually worked really well. So we, 
we and even then I thought maybe we got lucky and we did it a second time with the largest uh, insurance company in Mexico, um, family owned, regulated insurance, everything. And it worked even better. Uh, we've now done it 30 times uh, in our world with HP, Black & Decker, Visa, etc. And so we now have a, a standardized process, which we've open sourced on how to solve that immune system problem. And we worked out how to hack culture at scale in a legacy environment. And hacking culture at scale or transforming culture at scale is kind of a, a holy grail of management consulting. Uh, and so we think we've cracked that um, problem. And then we actually uh, adapted that same process for the public sector uh, because their existing policy is the immune system, right? Uh, you have bankers fighting Bitcoin and taxis fighting Uber. And so our community and our ecosystem is for-profit and non-profit process frameworks. Um, if we go to the next slide, you'll see some of the kind of engagements we've had. Uh, we've done some pretty interesting work with Procter & Gamble, as I said. Uh, we've done public sector work with the mayor of Miami to transform public uh, transportation there, uh, the Supreme Court in Colombia to transform the justice system. Uh, and so we've got a pretty rich, uh, it seems to work across sectors and across industries and across geographies and cultures just as powerfully. Um, uh, next slide. Um, and when we think about how you apply this, we've, we've built underneath that those process frameworks a community, which is just about 6,500 people now around the world where pretty practiced consultants and practitioners have uh, been trained in our, our methodologies and are now applying this in their countries. And so we have a, a method for training and certifying folks, much like you do on the leadership side. Um, mm -hmm. And we now have a solid uh, anchoring point for where the world goes. Um, Next slide. Uh, I'll just uh, end with this couple of quick examples just to give you a sense of how powerfully we we are thinking about the world and the potential that's there. This is a company out of Miami that's formed this eight inch pad that you can see there. And this is to detect breast cancer. So a woman would put this on left and right side of her chest, wear this for about 10 minutes, take a picture of the resulting outcome. All those dots that you see there are temperature sensors and it does a very detailed temperature sense of that part of the body. Um, then it com an AI compares the delta between left to right, and if you do it every six months, the delta from when you did it last time. And this turns out to be 80% better at detecting breast cancer than a mammogram. Um, costs about $30, and it's FDA approved. It's fully medically proven. And so we now can eradicate breast cancer around the world. And now this is a wonderful, and we have thousands of examples of really great technologies. You try and get it into the uh, operating environment and you get an immune system response, right? All the, all the pharmaceuticals that sell drugs for breast cancer will say, whoa, 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 there's not enough testing been done that can't possibly work, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, there's some powerful outcomes that are possible. Uh, and what we're doing now with the community is spinning up new EXOs very rapidly. Um, the former uh, Minister of Oceans in Mauritius is one of our uh, one of our community and got involved in this whole oil tanker spill. And we uh, quickly spun up uh, a company around him. And in a very short order now are tracking all of the satellite images, fishing boat logs, uh, citizen photographs, and bringing that in, putting it onto an Amazon cloud server and tagging it to a blockchain. Um, uh, and so this just got funded by one of the wealthiest folks in the world. And so we're essentially now able to eradicate this. And to Brian's point, the reason you want to grow quickly is that when you have a positive purpose-driven outcome, which is what comes with great leadership, people that are focused on really doing uh, better by doing good, um, you can then scale something very, very fast and, and reach a much larger people much more quickly. And clearly the world today, given where we are, needs to transform in a pretty radical way. We think of Corona as a massive uh, singularity, if you like, right? Every model by which we worked out the future and modeled the future is completely gone. And we have to com create completely new models, which again goes right back to the leadership orientation. Um, and I'll just highlight the fact that the most important characteristics that, that we found about EXOs uh, was this purpose-driven mindset. And if you had that, you could scale very fast. If you didn't have that, nothing else that you applied worked uh, properly. And so this is where I think the two uh, mindsets and frameworks for teaching and, and giving expertise in future organizations becomes very powerful. So let me pause there. Um, <laughs> so, to be here. So, well, thank you. Yeah.
and the partnership and friendship. Thank you so much, Salim. Um, very interesting. And also, like I said earlier, if questions arise, um, I'm sure they do uh, after that presentation. Um, put them in the question tab and we will answer some of those live uh, at the end. Um, but now let me hand over the word to you, Brian. Um, tell us more about the role that Purpose has in driving performance in corporations. Well, I really love what um, Salim had to say. I mean, and every time not only I listen to him, but I see the evidence of what he does and the impact um, that Salim and his network of uh, 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 around the world have. I think it, it really is one of the most inspiring things that's, that's going on in our world right now. It gives me a huge amount of hope. And um, I say I won't make any political comments, but, you know, uh, um, it was 2 o'clock in the morning in London when the, uh, the debates were on last night. Um, uh, I, I must admit I couldn't refrain from getting up and watching it and it was uh, um, talk about uh, a way of ruining your day. Um, nonetheless, let's leave it at that. I mean, I think that our world is in a, a pretty chronic state. Um, uh, I honestly do believe, as bizarre as it sounds, um, that business, well-led business, purpose-driven business can be a significant part of the solution. I've held that point of view for well over 20 years, and it lies at the heart of the, re the raison d'etre, if you like, of, of Oxford leadership. Um, um, and I, I told you a little bit about kind of the genesis of that, of how um, developing leaders who share a sense of responsibility for the whole and bring into the corporate boardroom and the senior leadership, you know, a, a moral compass, an ethical compass, and a concern for people, not just for products and not just for profits, but not at the exclusion of those either. This convergence of doing well and doing good, I believe, is a really powerful and really fundamental um, algorithm or combination for the future. Um, but that really accelerated um, in our world, and I think we all know what we're talking about. Our, our natural habitat um, is very large global companies. Um, we run the leadership development um, for some of the biggest, most recognizable corporations in the world, companies like Telefonica and BASF and L'Oreal, um, uh, companies like McDonald's and Unilever. I mean, we've been associated with these companies um, on their journey of growth through our time in history um, for, um, uh, for decades. But a few years ago, we started seeing a very, very particular challenge, and everybody will recognize this. Um, large, big global companies that have been around for a very long time all of a sudden started facing competitors and headwinds, the likes of which they've not encountered before. And um, getting, getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, every one of these large global companies started having someone doing an Uber to them or an Airbnb. Um, uh, it was an, they were getting Amazon, um, you know, the, the world's biggest shipping company, um, a, a Danish company who's, who you will, of course, know. Um, um, they invented container shipping. They, their big invention um, was, uh, was, was containers. They ship more containers around the world and carry more of the world's trade than any other institution on earth, across the ocean, on big ships. Well, you know, about four or five years ago, it started happening that their biggest competitor, their fastest growing competitor, um, um, wasn't the Chinese or the Greeks or the Germans or, or indeed anybody else. It was a competitor that didn't own any ships, didn't own any ports, didn't own any steel at all. It was a bunch of kids out of Palo Alto um, that created something that was the equivalent of container.com. And they started doing an over to the shipping industry, moving containers around all over the world. Um, that's an example. Honestly, this was happening everywhere, in banks, in with fintech, um, in fast-moving consumer goods, and everywhere else. And suddenly, we were looking at the, the, the senior leadership boardroom, and our, the leadership development we do is largely um, situated in top 50, top 500, top 1500 um, uh, layers of some of the, of the very, very big corporations in their, in, their, uh, uh, in their corporate universities. But we started looking at this because all of them, very, very naturally, were starting to um, look to see how they could disrupt themselves before someone else came and disrupted them and upend their industry like crazy. 
And so data and digital transformation started to be one of the most common themes that you would see in these large organizations. Now, unlike, and forgive me, um, uh, uh, Salim, you know, you know, uh, um, Yahoo, when you're working, was eight years old. Many of these companies are 100 years old. And transforming um, an organization that is that old, that big, that settled, is frankly, it's a very, very different challenge than, than an early stage growth company. Um, and, um, but yet, we have to do exactly the same thing. We have to transform, but you've got to perform at the same time. At the end of the day, you've got to sweat your assets and hit the numbers at the end of the quarter to satisfy the analysts. But whilst you're doing that, you also have to transform the business. So you have this head-splitting you know, um, um, uh, paradox for most leaders. So we started watching very, very carefully the topic that we are particularly interested in. Has leadership changed? Does leadership need to change in a fourth industrial revolution? In this era of, of data and digital transformation, do leaders need to act differently? So we started then, and was over three years ago, a piece of research which we, we subsequently started labeling living, living research because we knew we were never ever going to get to the end of this. There's never going to be a moment in time piece of research where we started here and then we formed some conclusions and we published a report because this is moving so continuously so fast. But where we're at at the moment and where we're at at the point when I had uh, the privilege of uh, getting to know Salim because I were really watching out of this research, we saw hmm, what we are seeing is some certain themes and threads that are mostly enacted by the kinds of organizations um, that this EXO community has been dealing with. And putting it fairly simply, and I, I, I want to give as much time as possible for questions here, so I don't want to dominate it, but tell you very, very simply. Um, the answer to the question that we pose to ourselves, has leadership changed and will leadership change as a result of the fourth industrial revolution? Hands down, the answer is no, it won't. The fundamentals of what it means to be a leader are the fundamentals of what it means to be human. We touch each other, we feel each other, we build trust, we build respect, we, we need empathy, we live in tribes. And we need to trust the others in tribes. A tribe needs a common purpose. A tribe needs a common way of working. The role of the alpha in tribes is critical. And it has been since our pre-human ancestors walked out of Africa, and it will be for a long time after we've left the planet. So that's not going to change. The fundamentals of being human will always be there. And leadership, what addresses the needs to be most human, will always be there. However, what's changed is the context. Now, leaders are operating in a context that they've never been in before. And what we found out of the data that we have studied and the examples of companies that have done it well, and also perhaps we've even had the best learnings from companies that have really done it badly around digital and data transformation and the transformation of organizations. There are six fundamental factors which change. I'm going to share, well, the, the, the six are meaning, and that's singularly overwhelming the most important thing. Companies that are led and have been able to harness and understand what it is that gives meaning, not only to the investors, but gives meaning to the people who work there, that gives a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose and a sense of direction to the people who buy the products, the consumers, the brand, and what we found is that purpose-driven companies and leading with purpose and galvanizing a purpose and holding a purpose that threads itself through all parts of the organization um, are those that are singularly most successful in this rapid exponential growth and transformation, being purpose-driven. And um, I, will, I will share with you what the other factors are. Um, if anyone that's interested can go on our website and you'll see at least our most recent report on leading in a fourth industrial revolution. However, um, the single most important factor is leading with meaning. This acts, and it has an ugly metaphor for you, this acts like a kebab stick 
um, I'm, I'm going to have to find a better way of expressing this because it's, it is truly ugly. Um, but if you know what a kebab is, you know, you can put anything on a kebab. My Lebanese friends will kill me for saying this because a kebab is a kebab. But, you know, for in the West, you can put shrimp on it. You can put seafood. You can put all sorts of, 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 of vegetables and all kinds of meats on a kebab. But what holds it all together is the kebab stick. And meaning and purpose inside an organization, particularly if it's a massive transformational purpose, holds everything else in this incredibly disruptive transformational journey together. That hands down was the most important thing. Then adaptability and psychological safety and energy and empathy and you know dealing with results and responsibility all of those things are fairly obvious you know the mastery of data just tell you this one thing what i like really very much around what um, salim and his colleagues are doing one of the elements in this fact is the democratization um, of leadership you know and one of the themes in the the papers which we subject you know and we we didn't invent this term but the notion that the great man is dead Firstly, that leader is a male. Secondly, that there is one person, the alpha that sits at the top. Very clearly, leadership in this new environment is highly democratized. It is highly collaborative. The devolution of authority and mandates across an organization is absolutely critical. And this comes from understanding how purpose connects inside an organization. And so it was these themes that we started picking up um, I'll give you a quick little example, and this was an old one, and but we saw it again fairly recently. Years ago, in Marks and Spencer, and we, I, know, I know we've got a lot of people that are, are not from the UK, but Marks and Spencer is a very well-known retailer here. They faced a problem um, where they saw a large increase in shoplifting. And so they thought, oh, my gosh, we really do need somebody to bring in that's really going to be able to develop the right kind of strategy around this. So they hired the director of security, and he was a very top, um, a top a former serving police officer from the British Metropolitan Police. He came in as head of security, and they thought, wow, this is going to be great. We're going to see a decline in shoplifting. You know what happened? Take a guess. Shoplifting went up like this, like hell. Why was that? Because people throughout the stores, the people who worked in the stores suddenly said, oh, well, it's not my responsibility any longer. We've now got somebody that's going to tell us what to do. And it was the biggest mistake that they made. And once they changed that and they recognized that the things which are important, things which are purposeful, when they are owned by the whole organization, that's what makes the difference. And I encountered this again just recently when companies are trying to drive on this thing about data and analytics. Of course, every company today has got to become data driven. And we saw one of our client companies about to appoint a chief data officer. Now, that within itself is not a bad idea, but I warned and I cautioned them. You know, frankly, what we need to be able to do is to create a data culture through everybody, not just a data analytics expert that sits up at the apex of the organization, but taking it out and taking the things that matter and combining that and making that purposeful within the organization. This is what I mean by being purposeful. And the organization that I found that has the best grasp of this democratization of being able to use um, the tools of new technologies, the exponential tools, the, the software as a service, the AI as a service, and use this in a way that combines real humanity. Um, this, is, uh, uh, this is OpenXO, and this is Salim and his colleagues around the world, and being able to now harness the kinds of programs and methodologies which are available through there to our network of clients and consultants is something that I'm truly very, very happy about. Well, thank you so much, both Brian and Salim. And once again, keep the questions coming. Um, a lot of the questions are already in, so that's awesome. But this is super exciting. Um, Lance, let's hear more about the Open Insure Consultant course. Thank you, Marlon. And I'm going to be 10 minutes or less, and then we're going to get on to your questions. So if you can bring up the first slide. Of um, course. Here we go. Thank you very much. And I'm going to start, so my, my talk is on how to become an exponential organization and the principles. And I'm going to start with the brain slide that was from Salim Ishmael's book, Exponential Organizations. And it contains 11 attributes. 
The one that's been talked about a lot during the session already is the massive transformative purpose. And that is key for any organization that wants to grow exponentially needs to have not just a purpose, which is obviously vital, but a massive one that inspires people, inspires customers, inspires employees, and then transformational that transforms their company, their industry, their country, and maybe even the world. So that's absolutely vital. And then the two acronyms that you see there, ideas and scale, one is to harness the abundance that we experience in the world today. That's interfaces, dashboards, experimentation, autonomy, and social. And that's what Brian just spoke about, the autonomy that, of, that's existing in the world today. And then on the right-hand side is how you harness uh, the abundance and grow exponentially, which is staff on demand, community and crowd to get the thousand true fans, algorithms to manage your sales processes, your call centers, your chatbots, all of those kind of things, leveraged assets and engagement. So if we go to the next slide, Morlin. Uh, so the question is, how do you know if your organization is uh, exponential? Because a lot of companies and organizations will have these inbuilt already. Well, what OpenEXO has done is created an EXQ survey. And this will take 30 minutes of your time. We'll include the link in the email that follows. And you'll be able to go through 33 questions based on the 11 attributes. And then you'll be able to get a percentage, a score out of 100 to, to see where are you uh, as far as exponential goes, where your strong points, where your weaknesses, and, and where you can focus on. And on the right-hand side there, is OpenEXO formed a relationship, if you can go back one slide, uh, mm -hmm. uh, with a university where they analyzed the companies uh, on the NASDAQ. And these were the top performing companies according to the EXQ survey with Google top, Amazon, Apple. And the important thing is that these particular companies grew by 26.7% during that year, uh, while the normal growth was 9.5%. 9, 9 so exponential organizations following the exponential principles grow faster. So now you can go on to the next slide. Perfect. If we, if we take that and we lay it out into a canvas, we can see that the abundance is coming from the left-hand side, and you're using the 11 principles with the massive transformative purpose, and you're harnessing your organization and then scaling to grow exponentially and implementing it. But how do you do the implementation? Uh, well, first we're gonna look at an example. So if you look at the canvas here on the next slide, uh, that this is how OpenEXO created this canvas. And on the top is the massive transformative purpose. And we're gonna use Airbnb as an example. So Airbnb obviously are growing exponentially. They're battling a little bit now during COVID as in the the whole travel industry and the, you know, the leisure industry is, but Airbnb's MTP is create a world where you can belong anywhere. And that's what they strive and that's what drives Airbnb forward. Then as far as the attributes on the left, staff on demand, community and crowd algorithms, leveraged assets and engagement, the important thing to know is that Airbnb uses the, the all the different owners and rooms to, to have as the accommodation. So if a traditional type of hotel chain, if they wanted to grow, they have to build a whole new hotel. Airbnb growing just needs to add different people onto the platform and then they use their accommodation uh, to, to host uh, visitors and guests. And that's the same as leveraged assets, all the different private places that people have. On the right-hand side is the the, the IDEAS acronym, which is interfaces, dashboards, experimentation, autonomy, and social technologies. Those are the areas that Airbnb uh, are using in that side of things. So the, the next slide now talks about implementing. So you know, using the EXQ survey, how are you doing? But now, how do you actually implement and become an exponential organization? Well, I'm very, very pleased, and we've spoken to this now during this hour, is that OpenEXO formed a partnership with Oxford Leadership, where we're offering the EXO Consultant course. And this course is aimed at individuals, so it's aimed at coaches, consultants, individuals who work for organizations, but also it's aimed at organizations themselves. So any organization that wants to grow can take the exponential principles 
and the courts and tailor it to suit your particular organization. So that's really important. If you have a business unit or your exco wants to know how to proceed, how to introduce new products, services, and, and how to grow, then we can tailor this course to fit your needs. Now, I'm very, very pleased to tell you that the next course starts on Monday. So four or five days time, October the 5th, and there, there are places available because we can grow exponentially. We can make as many places available as those that want to be on the course. And we've got facilitators and trainers, of which I will be one of them. And so then you will be able to engage uh, on the course with us. So that's the URL that you can use. And we'll have that in the email that follows. But I just want to take you through a little bit more detail about the course and, and how it can apply to you as an organization and individual. Firstly, it's 100% online. And the structure is four weeks, starting at the beginning of the month in this case and ending at the end, is that at the first week, we'll study the exponential organizations in your area. So if, if you're based in the US, Europe, you know, wherever you are, there are exponential organizations that currently exist, Amazon, you know, Google, et cetera. And you, during the first week, we evaluate those particular companies. We use the exponential canvas and we identify what they're doing and how they're using it, which is very important. The second week, we look at your particular organization and we say, like, you know, where are you using the exponential uh, attributes? And you go through the EXQ survey to identify you know, where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are. And then the third and fourth week, we harness the power of OpenEXO and the 6,300 members to be able to put a job on the marketplace and to enlist someone, an expert, to give you input into the areas that you need, would like uh, assistance with. So you can go through the course and say in the fourth week, we'd love to speak more about community and crowd or how do you use experimentation or leverage assets or even the massive transfer of purpose? And you'd be able to place a job on the marketplace, get responses and get expert assistance in that area. A couple of other things I want to highlight is that the cost is one and a half thousand dollars, which is good value for four weeks high intensive training. It's four weeks, like I said, but it requires four to eight hours of commitment from you. Uh, to be able to get the most value from it. And then there's mentoring throughout the process. So Morlin has just gone through the process. She's in her last week. She's really enjoyed it. And I encourage every single one of you to strongly consider this, both for your individual and for your organizational needs. So thank you very much, Morlin. I'm going to hand back to you. Now we can go to the Q&A and get right. your questions answered. Could, could, could I, Mar Marlin, could I ask a couple of quick points? Yes, of course. So, you know, part of the, the I want to just um, summarize this kind of discussion and point out a couple of things that I think are important insights here. One is that uh, the why, why are EXOs so successful? Because we're seeing profound success out of them. And it really comes down to, if you think about business, you worry about demand and supply and hopefully the cost of demand and the cost of supply, you're on the right side of that equation. When the internet came along, it allowed us to drop the cost of demand exponentially. Uh, online marketing, referral marketing, uh, every Silicon Valley company is going for a viral loop and their cost of acquisition could go down to zero if that was the case, which was amazing. You could acquire customers at no cost. What EXOs have figured out is how do you drop the cost of supply exponentially? So you think about um, Airbnb, the marginal cost of adding a room to the inventory is almost zero. Uh, if you're Hyatt, you have to build a hotel, Right. Same with the ways, same with Google, same with uh, other other kind of exponential organizations. When you can take out the cost of supply, you take out the denominator and your market cap explodes. So we now have companies that can explode into the marketplace with very low marginal cost of supply and very low marginal cost of demand acquisition, which is unheard of in the business world. And that's why they do so well. We're pretty clear that in the future, every organization in the world has to be purpose driven. Uh, agile, adaptable, scalable. And we basically think we've tagged those labels in the model that we evolved. Uh, and we labeled the model. We didn't kind of define it or implement it. We basically just highlighted what was there and put labels on it. And now we have clear methodologies for how to implement them. But let's go to the Q&A. 
let's go to the Q and A. All right, I'll stop sharing, and we'll we'll be able to see each other. Um, so let's go over and look at the upvotes. I think I'm going to start with the with the question from Zachary Lynn, and this might be a question for Salim. Uh, can this EXO method methodology apply to small, medium-sized companies, given the nature of firefighting and typically lack of resources? Yeah, in fact, it works even better. Uh, if you're a big company, as as Brian pointed out earlier, you've got to deal with the existing machine. And what we recommend strongly there is you go to the edge and you build EXOs off the edge and you and you spin them out. Uh, Nestle for years tried to run Nespresso as a line of business and it totally failed. Finally, they put it on the outside and boom, it's a $6 billion line of business, right? Uh, and so we've got a clear uh, outcome there. If you're a small or medium-sized company, you can transform into an EXO pretty much in real time and scale from there. And uh, and there's a clear path to doing that with, that we lay out uh, of how to do that. Number one is uh, consolidate around the purpose uh, and, then, and then build community or, or create communities around your MTP uh, and then go and leverage new products and services that are typically information-based. Uh, the opportunity, and a great example is TED here. Uh, TED was just a nice conference, a thousand people a year. Chris Anderson takes it over. He does three things. He applies the MTP, which is ideas worth spreading. He gives away all the TEDx talks on YouTube, leveraging rich media. And then he allows anybody in the community to go create a TEDx event. And boom, in 10 years, he has a global media brand. And his cost of doing this was almost zero. So this is a profound opportunity. I think small and medium-sized companies can leapfrog big companies very powerfully today. Great. That's exactly what big companies are afraid of, by the way, Sally. <laughs> yeah. If you take the marginal cost of supply, then what's the advantage of a big company? No, no, that's exactly right. And I mean, and just to that, to that point, why I'm really keen on... Um, our big corporate customers coming into this, you know, um, all of them one way or another, whatever language they use, they are involved in um, a transformation from inside out. They yeah. are all attempting to be data-driven, um, digitally transforming themselves, getting ahead of the curve uh, and managing. And uh, what I love about this course is that it makes it so easy to develop an entire internal coaching faculty to be able to then um, uh, develop, you know, your uh, your internal leadership, your internal groups and functionalities uh, around this technology. Being able to develop this mindset shift um, within uh, the population of organizations is very powerful. Tremendous opportunity, not just for the individual coaches that are, you know, supporting, um, which you do so incredibly well, um, smaller companies. But to be perfectly honest, um, uh, my concern is for the larger companies to be able to get their shit together to be able to deal with this from the inside out. Pardon my French. You know, th this is a, an important point. What we've seen is when big companies uh, truly operate like this, they completely explode out of the gate. Yeah, the, 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 the data that Lance showed you, we saw that the big companies adopting these principles outperform the market by three times. I mean, this is not a joke. And so uh, if you can leverage it, there's a very powerful opportunity there. The thing is that it's easy to actually get this at the top. It's really easy to get this in the higher levels of organization. But particularly when now we've got lockdowns, we've got COVID, we've got everything else, the pressure for day-to-day -day performance and all of the struggles of, you know, the, the pressures of today, how do you then layer on top of that a way of working which is about transformation. And this kind of methodology, I find, is really key uh, inside an organization to be able to fast track that. And, and let me just touch on this. You know, uh, Larry Page came to me from Google a few years ago and said, hey, your unit at Yahoo is successful. Should I do that at Google? And I said, no, you'll evoke this immune system response. Keep it stealth and point it outwards. And you yeah. see the result is Google X, where they have their core information management capabilities and they use hardware to go into adjacent spaces. The master of this technique is Apple. Uh, and yes, they have a great design capability and a great supply chain. I will argue that Apple's core innovation is actually organizational because right. they will form a small team that's very disruptive, take them to the edge of the organization, keep them stealth and secret and say to them, go disrupt another industry. We use different language, but I completely agree with you. Right. I mean, I've exhausted myself and I've seen organizations just utterly fail by trying to do this from the middle. 
uh, innovation has got to happen from the edge, but right. with the right kind of cadence and flow back from uh, from the inside. And but you can't do it um, uh, without acknowledging and empowering the people within the mothership to be able to do it as well. Right. Great. Let's let's go over to this question from uh, Deshaun. I think this is how you pronounce your name. Uh, do you have some recommendations to oper oper operationalize the company purpose? Brian. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this, this is hugely important. Brian, go ahead. Or And Lance, I think you may have a few thoughts around this. Well, I mean, uh, let me just give you the obvious headlines. Um, uh, uh, your intention in operationalizing a company purpose um, firstly needs to be understood. Um, um, uh, and the, the methodology that we know works is that you have to start purpose for it to be authentic, purpose for it to be credible, purpose for for it to be believed by anybody has to emerge from the place of origin and what I mean by that it's got to come from inside it's got to come from the inside expression of the leadership of the organization about delivering something beyond yourself it's got to be beyond products it's got to be beyond um, uh, profits and it has to be something which the company is here to be able to give but that's not within itself enough because you can express that in brand, you can express that, you know, through the leadership narrative of the top. It has to come from every single person in the organization where they are create, they are provided with the opportunity to define their purpose, their intention, um, uh, their values and connect that to the purpose of the business and connect that in turn to a purpose beyond the business. Mm. The methodology is relatively straightforward. And, and and what we found is it starts with uh, brand. We're starting brands morph into MTPs, uh, and the brand promise becomes a massive purpose. Uh, uh, Paul Pullman at Unilever uh, read the book and ordered every uh, brand in Unilever to take on an MTP. And now the five most profitable brands are the ones that have adopted it the most. So we have a very clear correlation there. And then from the brand purpose, you then live it both in, uh, externally and then internally, right? Uh, and Lance, you've had some experience with yeah. MTP. Uh, absolutely. So uh, Jim Collins, who would say, get the right people on the bus, is your hiring processes and your techniques is, you know, what do they care about? What is their purpose on the earth? What do they hunger for? Um, and you can apply that and hire the right people. And then you as an organization could say, like, what could we do if we knew we would never fail? And what would we do if we received a billion dollars right now? So those are the type of, of questions that you could ask yourself uh, when you're determining your MTP and then hiring the right people to execute the MTP. Great. Let me pull this question up. Uh, do you have any recommendations for female leaders to support leadership in patriarchal societies? Um, Brian, what's your, your first thought? Well, yeah, I love, I love the question, and um, it's something which, um, you know, I, uh, we're deeply committed to inside organizations. Um, you know, and, and, and corporations who are actually asking themselves the question about what kind of leadership do we need in, the, in a more complex to chaotic to adaptive society, they're going to be led in, in, inexorably um, to uh, the qualities of the feminine. Uh, whether that shows up within actually a female or whether it shows up within the qualities of a male. Um, but what we learn through evolutionary history about um, about the development of empathy and taking care of each other and collaboration and connections and, my God, multitasking and a multiple of other things. Um, um, these are the kind of, uh, uh, these are the qualities that absolutely are necessary now around inclusion. Um, and if the problem with the, the, the whole movement around diversity and inclusion has been it seemed to be something that you need to do to tick a box to actually compile. But when you understand it, as we have in the companies that we have, they recognize the massive power that comes from tapping into the collective intelligence um, of the whole. And, you know, it is leaders and their ability to be able to create an organic, um, a safe, psychologically safe place and, and methodology and even an impulse to be able to um, gather and collect the whole. Um, as I said, the, you know, the, um, uh, the, the great man is dead. The leadership today is around the collective. 
And uh, it's not surprising. A few years ago in Britain, I don't know whether, whether it's anywhere else actually, it's called the 30% Club, um, set up, you know, as a, as a, as a vehicle, an NGO, to, to get at least 30% of women in boardrooms and in the executive room. Frankly, you know, that's almost there. What needs to come as the next of that is perceptual diversity and also, I think, frankly, even um, um, uh, even coloured, race, gender. These are There are other elements now within our society that need to be reflected in business that need to come into a much more natural order of leadership. But in this way, leadership is absolutely changing. If, if, if I lift up to the highest kind of a, even a metaphysical level, what's happening is we're moving the world from scarcity to abundance, right? Information used to be scarce, now it's abundant. We'll have energy abundance uh, soon. And it turns out the male archetype is really bad at managing abundance. Uh, the male archetype relates to abundance as power and tries to hoard it. Uh, Wall Street, money, Middle East, oil, etc. The female archetype, when meets abundance, uh, has a tendency to share it around. Uh, and so what you see on the internet, for example, the reason it's successful is a very female archetypal pattern. It's it's uh, linking, cross-sharing, collaboration, uh, etc. And as we move to these new models, we need that kind of architecture in our organizations as well. The top-down hierarchical structures are too rigid and not adaptable enough for the world that's coming. And a great example of this is the music industry. You had six or eight major music studios selling scarcity as a product. We digitize music. Uh, most of those kind of evaporate, and now we have two platforms selling abundance, iTunes, Spotify, as a business model. And so this is the transformation that happens, and we think that will happen in cars, in energy, in education, and healthcare across the board. Absolutely agree. Perfect. I agree. Let's see if we can fit one more question in. Um, we have number seven of votes for this one from JV. Um, how to change business owners to adopt a purpose-driven business, how to make an how to make the change authentic and not only driven by the benefits, by the exponential growth. Yeah, so let me take a first crack at this. I think the key here is that the leadership has to live the purpose. Um, and this is why I think Oxford leadership is very powerful with the with the training that you give and the and the and the purpose driven uh, mantle, uh, because if the if the leaders of the company are not living it, for example, I'll give you Zappos. Their one of their key mantras was customer service, and they basically say to their call center people, "You are not measured on." how short your call is on average, et cetera. You're measured on how happy the customer is, right? And you have these crazy stories of them helping deliver pizzas, even their own online shoe thing, because they were actually let free to actually serve the customer. And so when the leadership can live it, uh, then it cascades down very fast and cascades across very quickly. The leadership has to live the purpose uh, very, very deeply, which is why Lance makes the observation that from in the future you'll be hiring based on the alignment of the company MTP with the, an individual's MTP. And then every all the incentives align and you can really take off from there. Let, let, me, let me make just two points about that. And uh, um, forgive me if I'm, anyone's going to be offended by what I'm about to say. Um, uh, I, I'm not really interested in um, in trying to convince somebody who does not believe uh, that being purposeful and doing good um, and making a difference in the world um, is not relevant to their business. To be perfectly honest, I frankly wouldn't want to waste my breath even talking to you. Um, um, now, that sounds fairly arrogant, um, but to be honest, it's also it's a, it's a reflection of intelligence. There is so much data now unequivocally that shows the business case for purpose-driven business in every single factor. The economic results, the results on innovation, the results on um, on engagement. I mean, are you mad? Don't you read? You know, I mean, why be purposeful? Um, the, the, the inextricable linkage between higher purpose and, and, uh, and higher performance, it is so obvious that's there. However, if that's the only reason that you're doing this, well, you know, I mean, it's better than nothing, but frankly, you're going to get eaten alive because the people who will succeed in this are people who have a passion, um, a, a role, an energy, a vitality for making a difference in the world that comes from inside out. People recognize that. People hear what you say, but they sense what your intentions are. 
human beings and the human brain is a sensing machine. When you are genuine, when you are authentic about being something, this product is good for you. We want to make a difference with this. Consumers will recognize it. Employees will recognize it. And ultimately, your shareholders and your investors will recognize it as well. Definitely. I wish we could squeeze in more questions, but, you know, our webinar has come to an end. Uh, we will go through the questions that you have. Can we keep this conversation going on, our, on the OpenXO website, uh, Salim? And can we keep it going, Marlon, on our Oxford Leadership um, page as well. I mean, if we could direct people to OpenXO website and to the Oxford Leadership website on, on LinkedIn, for, certainly for us, that might be a great place. And we will answer all of these questions on those channels. If that's all. Yeah, why don't we figure out the best way of doing that? Um, joining our community is free. Um, exactly. We have uh, very vibrant discussions there. Uh, but that definitely, I think that's totally worth it. There's some awesome questions in here. Some great questions. It's a bit frustrating we have been able to get to them. Yeah. An hour goes quickly, but let me just put this out first. If you do have any questions uh, about the course that starts on Monday, uh, Lance is your guy. Uh, we will send out an email after this um, session as well with all these uh, all this information. If you are interested in Oxford Leadership and what we're doing, I'm your girl. Uh, so let me know if there's anything I can do there. Uh, and we will also come together with uh, ways of joining our community as we do have um, a very nice community where we can keep on answering these questions. Um, but let me say thank you. Uh, this has been so good. Uh, thank you, Salim, Brian, Lance. Thank, thank you. you. Here. So, um, Great, man. Have a wonderful been... night. Very much. Great moderation, and I, and I for one, know what that takes. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye now.